Hello and welcome to Finding Truth Matters with Dr Andrew Corbett. We're pleased to have you join us for tonight's program. In fact, if you're a part of a, sitting under any ministry where they're, they're saying things, you go, boy, I didn't know that, I've never heard that before, I would have little alarm bells going off. Have you ever met a really weird person, a spiritual fruitcake who said that God spoke to them? Do people really hear from God? Well, they may not be as nutty as you think because God knows how to speak to us. The question is, are we open to hearing him? How does God speak? We'll find out now as we join Dr. Corbett in the Old Testament book of Jeremiah for hearing God's voice. Let's pray. We're going to be looking at Jeremiah and I'll uh, take you through some of the, the facets of Jeremiah in just a moment. Father, as we look at your word today, we pray that you would illuminate it to us. Holy Spirit, you inspired it, you moved men to write it, and Lord Jesus, you said that the Holy Spirit will reveal things through it to us. And I pray that today would be that day, that today you would indeed reveal things in your word that perhaps we've not seen, but they've always been there. And I ask for this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going through the, the, the major themes of the book of Jeremiah at the moment and there's about eight themes that I want to deal with. For those that aren't familiar with Jeremiah, he's the second of the major prophets. If you flick your Bible open somewhere in the middle, mine's so used to opening in Jeremiah, it just sort of opens in Jeremiah now, but he's not far from the, the middle of your Bible and he's he, actually in a, in a sort of a, a metaphoric way, he's a little bit closer to the New Testament than most of the other major prophets. So Jeremiah is the second of the major prophets. He comes after Isaiah. Isaiah was the, the preeminent, he's the major prophet. And, and Isaiah spoke to uh, the southern tribes of Israel known as Judah around about the 8th century. And Jeremiah was born in the 7th century BC, 8th century BC. And Jeremiah was born 7th century BC and prophesied mainly in the 6th century BC. That's, that just gives you a bit of a time frame of where Jeremiah fits in. His ministry was to what was left of Israel. Isaiah had prophesied that um, the northern tribes of Israel, because of their idolatry and rebellion, would be taken into exile. And that is exactly what happened. They were taken by the nation known then as Assyria. And they were ostensibly lost. Those tribes were lost. They're known as the lost tribes of Israel. By the time of Jesus, those tribes became known as the diaspora, the, the, the tribes that had been dispersed and essentially lost. What was left of Israel was uh, three tribes, um, the biggest being Judah, the other one Benjamin, and a little bit of Simeon. So if you, if you have a Bible map in the back of your Bible, you'll see why that's the case because uh, Simeon and Benjamin were, were, were kind of enveloped by the tribe of Judah. So that's, that's those there. So in the New Testament, we see very little reference to any of the, the Jews coming from any other tribes apart from Judah, Benjamin, Simeon, with the exception of Anna, the prophetess, who was from the tribe of Asher. So some, we can see that some of the northern uh, tribes of Israel who had remained faithful to God had joined themselves with Judah in the south. So these are the major themes. And we've already looked at a couple 
we've looked at the sovereignty of God, a major theme. And we've seen that in the book of Jeremiah, whenever God wanted to talk about the, his sovereignty, and that is his ability to carry out his will, there's a name that he uses of himself to convey that. And that, that name is written in, in English as capitals L-O-R-D. We've seen the word of God as not just the writings of, of men. And it's a major theme, again, through the book of Jeremiah, that Jeremiah is, is in effect, reminding the people of, of Judah of what God had already said in his word. And that is largely the role of a prophet, not necessarily to bring any new revelation, new information, but to remind people. And in fact, I see that as my role today and if you can consider that that new testament preaching is to be somewhat prophetic not necessarily in predicting the future but in in declaring god's word that i'm here today and and if you come up to me and say you know i didn't learn anything today i'm going to go hallelujah did i remind you of things you already knew yeah i already knew all those i'll go my job here is done because that's all i want to do today remind you of what you have probably already heard and you probably already know in fact, if you're a part of a sitting under any ministry where they're, they're saying things, you go, boy, I didn't know that. I never heard that before. I would have little alarm bells going off. Uh, I, I don't want to propose any new revelation other than what God's already revealed in his word. Is that okay with everyone? So if, if we hear some weird and wacky, wonderful ideas that are supposedly something God has told me, be, don't walk out of a church like that. Please don't walk out. Run, because that's one of the signs of a cult, and that can get very, very dangerous. Today's theme that I want to look at is, is again, a, a major theme through the book of Jeremiah, and it's hearing the voice of God. We're going to see that we have positive and negative examples of it. We have the positive example, the preeminent positive example of, of this is Jeremiah. The, 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 the unfortunate, tragic, negative example of it are the people that he's speaking to. And we'll see that in a moment. Let's have a think about this. We we use language like hear and see, not not always in in the literal sense. So we're we're having a conversation with someone and then then you say to them, are you hearing me? (laughs) We know they're hearing us, so what do we mean? What do we mean? Uh, Do you get it? Are you listening? Do, 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 Do you understand what I'm saying to you? And sometimes we might actually respond to someone who's trying to tell us something. Maybe it's a word of correction, which can be uncomfortable to hear. But maybe we might say something like this. Yeah, I'm hearing you. I'm hearing you. And we use language like see as well. Do you see what I'm saying? You can see how you can't take that literally. But you understand the intent behind it. The intent, again, is, do you understand what I'm saying? Do you see the meaning of what I'm saying? So when we talk about hearing God, I want want you not to only put, put one sort of definition to that, what that can be. Unless I hear the audible voice of God, and it will sound very, very similar to the voice of Charlton Heston, I am not going to believe it was God. For those of you who've been around for a little while, 
you, I just realised there may be a whole bunch of people here who have no idea who Charlton Heston is. Anyway, ask your grandparents. So hearing the voice of God. So here's, here's the first question I just want to explore before we look at this because otherwise I'm going to be talking about something, you're going to have something in mind and you won't actually be hearing me. So how do people hear from God? How do people hear from God? Now here's my concern. And I think, again, Donna raised the point that sometimes you can, you can have the best of intentions. You can be really well-intentioned and yet wrong. So, so if, if you say to me a really dumb idea and then you say something like this, and I really, really believe it, if your idea is dumb and especially if your idea is wrong, I don't care how much you believe it. It doesn't make it right or good sincerity is not what makes something right or true does that is that we get that you know it does remind me of the old preaching technique that in in the they used to have and still do have i i use one to do weddings but there's there's bibles you get they have extra wide margins around them and i used to use them and now I, i i prefer to use sticky notes instead in in my bible rather than extra wide margins but there was a, 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 an old preaching trick that, that you get to a certain part of the text and, and you're not really sure what it means. So the old preaching tech, tech, uh, trick is you, you put a little thing in the side of your Bible here and it says, when you get to this point in the sermon, thump the pulpit harder. Because if you sound passionate, even though you haven't got a clue what you're talking about, people will think you know what you're talking about. And I want you to see through that. So rather than be be persuaded by the, the, the level of passion or the, the ability to, to woo you with wonderful wordsmithing, I think we, we need to understand that God's word is right and true. And in a moment, I'm going to show you that that's the preeminent standard for hearing from God. But there are well-meaning people, Bible teachers, who who teach things like how to hear from God seminars. You may have been to one. And I want you to appreciate that this morning's message is not how to hear from God. That's not what we're dealing with. We're dealing with hearing from God. And, and here's my, my thing, and, and perhaps I can, I can best illustrate it by rewording that question. Here's how I'm going to reword that question. How does God speak to people? You notice I put little little single quotation marks around that word speak and that's because I want to convey to you that we communicate maybe I could have used the word communicate how does God communicate with people one of the things I spend a good deal of time with with any couple whom I'm preparing for marriage and a life together is to appreciate that each member of that couple has a language and you might think yeah it's somewhat similar to English no it's that's not what we mean by language we mean the way they communicate is beyond words now if you're a husband and you've been married for some time and you haven't figured this out yet I'm I'd be stunned the husband comes home and says to his wife how are you she says fine thanks anything happened today no is everything okay? Yes. 
I hope that there are husbands who don't go, oh, well, that's good then. What's for dinner? Because your wife has just told you something and it bears no resemblance to the English that she just used. And this is what we mean by language. You, you begin to learn language. And, and I think you could have a conversation like this. How are you? Good, thanks. Why? What's the matter? What happened? <laughs> Based on the, the tone. And, and she, she could say, nothing. Well, if, well I'm, I'm concerned. Are you, you okay? Well, if you really want to know... And that's where you fasten your seatbelts, husband, because it was probably something you did before you left that day. But this is what we mean by language. So people have a, have a way of using words. They have a way of, of, of putting tone in, in, in their voice. They, they even have um, perhaps sometimes a, a unique way of using words. You know, uh, like uh, if, if a young person says to you, oh, that's really wicked. That means something to me, but it doesn't mean the same thing to that young person. It means something... Actually, I still haven't figured out what that means, but anyway. Here's how does... I want you to, I want you to say, how does God speak? Now, here, here's what I want you to think about. If God wanted to speak to you, could he? You hear, the, you hear what I'm saying here? Rather than being fussed about, Pastor, how do I hear from God? It's almost like the, the counsel of Eli to young Samuel. Remember when Samuel was actually hearing God? And Eli the priest, this is recorded in the, in, uh, the early chapters of Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 2 or 3. Eli says to him, The next time you hear that voice calling your name, simply say, Yes, Lord, speak. Because if God wants to say something to you, chances are he knows how to do it. So this is something I hope will lift a burden off you and you, you'll begin to see that what we see in Scripture is not some of this fanciful, off-with-the-fairy, space cadet Christianity. Hallelujah. Glory to God. That you, that you ever been with someone who said, you know, I woke up this morning and the Holy Spirit said to me, time to get up. So I said, yes, Lord. And I got up. And then I said, Lord, what, what colour top should I wear today? And I did hear one pastor who went through this story said, the Holy Spirit, if it really is the Holy Spirit, or if it's God the Father talking, God the Father is more likely to say this, what colour top should you wear today? My child, I'm your father, not your mother. You pick your own clothes. Here's how we can learn the language and begin to hear what God is saying. Number one, and this is somewhat in order of priority, through the instruction of the scriptures. Oh, I've met some strange people who have said things like this. The, the script, Because there is a fleeting reference in 1 John, it says, you, you have no need of any man to teach you. And, and, and I've met some people who says, there you go, I, I, don't have, I don't need to go to church. I don't need to have anyone preach to me. I don't need to have anyone teach me. And here's the, the very simple, gentle question to get them thinking. Then why does the scripture say that God has gifted to the church teachers? And, and there's, there's a lot more I could say about that. But here's something I found. And I found this when I was, after I'd become a Christian... I would have questions, lots of questions about 
the Bible and about what certain things meant and about God and, and, and how he, who he was and how he operated. And I, and I had all these questions. And then I'd come to church on Sunday with all those questions that I hadn't mentioned to anyone and I'd find that the preacher addressed nearly every one of them that Sunday. And that happened week after week after month after month after year. And I was amazed at God's ability to answer my questions when I hadn't told anyone and I certainly hadn't told the preacher. So the instruction of scripture can be that you're reading and you're being instructed directly from scripture. And if, you're, if that's your story, then, then in one sense you're hearing from God. And I'm deeply concerned, and you heard Kim share her devotional life includes reading the Bible every day. And I can tell you, Kim does that not because she's a pastor's wife, not because she has to, but because she loves God and she does. And I see her each night. Go aside quietly, open her Bible, and it'd be nothing for Kim to go through 15, 20 chapters a day reading the Bible. That might sound like I'm bragging my wife, and I, I guess I am, but I, I'm saying that to say that we're not putting on a show here for you. This is something that we really believe. We, we really believe that you will benefit greatly from reading your Bible every day. Here's what it says in Joshua chapter 1. Verse 8, this book of the law, now I want you to note that expression, the book of the law, also referred to as the law of Moses, is an expression that you, when you see that you can go, book of the law, law of Moses equals Bible. And the reason is because at this time, those five books of the Bible, uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, those five books called the Pentateuch, was the whole Bible that they had at that time. That was it. So when you read this book of the law, we can now, I think, quite reasonably say this whole thing is the book of the law. It's, it's God's word to us. But look what it promises. The book of the law, this is written to Joshua, shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make, for then you will make, for then you will make, there's a principle there, and this is, I'm, I'm going to draw this out in a moment. Then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Another, an, another way of saying that is given to uh, Solomon. And this is 1 Kings chapter 2 and verse 3. And it says this, And keep the charge of the Lord your God, walking in his ways and keeping his statutes his commandments his rules and his testimonies as it is written in the law of Moses again you can just think bible that you may prosper in all you do and wherever you turn so the first way God is going to speak to you is through the bible and in fact I would encourage you to measure everything against the gold standard that's the Bible. Now, uh, I know that there are some people that say there's only certain translations that are anointed by God, and usually that, that is the King James Bible, they say. And I have a practice of I will always use the King James Bible with anyone older than 400 years. I will all, because that's that, I, that 
If you're not that old, then please get the English Standard Version, which is the latest and I think the most up-to-date English version. There's lots more I could say about that. The second way God, you can hear God speak to you. So this is why I wanted to help you to understand that hearing isn't just, yes, Lord, hearing an audible voice, but it's seeing, it's understanding, it's do you hear me? Yes, I get it. It's like you can get it. You can get what God is saying. And this is the second way, and scriptures talk about this, through the counsel of, and I've got in brackets there, godly others. Through the counsel of others, godly. Now, the reason I put that in brackets is because God can speak through a donkey. And God can speak through a wicked person. And this is, a, this, is a, this is what I think what makes God God. He can use Gamaliel, the, the then teacher of Israel, to speak to the nation about what should... Remember, remember he said, you know, what should we do about Christ? Well, Gamaliel spoke up and said, uh, it is better for one man to die than for the whole nation to be killed. And it goes on in Scripture, says, this he spake by the Holy Spirit. This was the guy that was, had just said, let's put Jesus to death. This was an evil plot. So even in, in evil, God can still use counsel, the counsel of, of that person. So counsel. Now, here's a, for me, this is a, a much more positive example. It's taken around this same time as Jeremiah. It's Daniel chapter 4, verse 27. Daniel was a young man, just a little bit younger than Daniel. And it says this, Therefore, O king, speaking to Nebuchadnezzar, this is Daniel speaking to him, let my counsel be acceptable to you. Break off your sins by practicing righteousness and your iniquities by showing mercy to the oppressed, that there may perhaps be a lengthening of your prosperity. Now, was that God speaking to Nebuchadnezzar? Yes, it was. Absolutely. And there have been times when I have had counsel, I've had words of and this can be a spiritual gift, a word of encouragement that has put supernatural strength into me. And I wrote a couple of weeks ago in my pastor's desk blog that there was a time when the late David Cartledge said something to me, and he wasn't known as a warm, cuddly guy. You knew, DC. He was not a warm, cuddly guy at all. Um, I'm not sure... Did anyone know David Cartledge? I know Lynn did. Anyone couple of people he was a tough as nails bloke and one day in the in the midst of being gruff and tough and all the rest of it, he turned to me and he said something to me so tender and and so almost out of character and I felt I felt Holy Spirit strength come into me when he said it and, I, and it kept him it literally kept me going for another two years and I, I thought that, that's God <laughs> he's just spoken from God and I don't even think he was aware of it. So counsel. So you might come to someone and say, uh, and, and, and I want you to also hear what I'm not talking about this morning. This morning I'm talking about hearing from God, not how to make decisions. And I know that there are Christians who say, well, if you've got a decision to make, you ask God what you should do and then just wait to hear from him. And I'm going to suggest to you that is not what Scripture teaches. You're going to read through the book of Proverbs and it'll give you 12 things to do in how to make a wise decision. In fact, if you didn't need wisdom to make a decision, why is the book of Proverbs in the Bible? 
just by the way. So wise counsel can be God speaking and you, you can hear from God. Thirdly, through the ministry of a prophet. I don't know how many prophets you've met in your life and I know that there are some of you here going, oh, I'll just close my notebook up here because I don't even think there are prophets today. And if I had the time, I would, I would go, well, if there aren't prophets, then there aren't pastors and there aren't teachers and there aren't evangelists. Because the same scripture that says that God gifted prophets to the church is the same scripture that says he gifted evangelists, pastors and teachers. Ephesians 4.11 So in my life, I could count on one hand and have fingers left over how many prophets I've actually met. If I was to count how many people I've met who've claimed to be a prophet, I would need a spreadsheet. But of those, very, very few actually. In fact, they, they very, very few. Very few. So, Amos 3.7, God says this. For the Lord God does nothing without revealing his secret to his servants, the prophets. And in case you're still in some doubt about whether there are New Testament prophets... We read this in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 28. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets. By the way, John Calvin, if you're into Reformed theology, which I am, John Calvin said God from time to time in his wisdom raises up apostles throughout any era of the church. Second, prophets. Third, teachers. Then miracles. Then gifts of healing, helping, administrating and various kinds of tongues. That's 1 Corinthians 12, 28. We read in the book of Acts one of the most remarkable incidents because you could be tempted to think, oh, well, yeah, they're prophets in the sense of you know, preachers. They're prophets in the sense of forth-telling God's word, but not foretelling in the sense of predicting. And then we, then we have scriptures like this in Acts 11, 27 and 28, one of the most remarkable prophecies, I, I think, and it ties in perfectly with Revelation chapter 6. It says this, now in, the days of, now in those days, or in these days rather, prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch and one of them, verse 28, named Agabus, stood up and foretold, not foretold, foretold, by the Spirit, that there would be a great famine over all the world. This took place, Dr. Luke tells us, in the days of Claudius, the fourth emperor of Rome. So God can speak to us through prophets. Just because you prophesy, by the way, doesn't make you a prophet. There's a difference between the gift of prophecy and a prophet, again, a message for another day. Through dreams. In fact, if you're, you, you read through the Bible and, and very quickly you see how often God communicated through dreams. In fact, he, he communicated at times to evil people through dreams. We just saw before Daniel's counsel to Nebuchadnezzar. It follows on the heels of God giving Nebuchadnezzar a dream. We read of King Abimelech in, uh, what is it, uh, Genesis 14 or so, where Abram at the time 
takes Sarai, who was Sarai at the time, and goes down into this country and, and, and says, she's my sister. Because he thought they'll look at her and go, wow, she's beautiful, but she's married. Oh, well, we can solve that. We'll kill her husband. Problem solved. And so Abraham, uh, Abram, as he was then, said, uh, tell them you're my sister. And you, you might remember that, uh, that King Abimelech, the host of these guys, that night had a dream where God said to him, do not touch Sarai. She is Abram's wife. And the reason you and your household have become so sick, it says in the dream, God says in the dream, is because you were thinking to touch her. <laughs> Man, I'd love, boy, wouldn't that, every husband would love God to give that dream to a whole bunch of people who look at their wives, you know. But here, uh, God says in the dream to Abimelech, ask him to pray for you, for he is a prophet. And so that's, that's a dream. And there are other dreams. Now, we, we, dreams, we're not told in, in this instance, I, I pull one out of Jeremiah. Jeremiah speaks a lot about dreams, actually. Usually talk denouncing the dreams of the wicked people who were deceiving people. But we're not told whether this was a dream or whether this was a vision or, or what. But this is, this is what it says. And the word of the Lord came to me, and I'm going to suggest to you, that could be it came to him in a dream, saying... Jeremiah, what do you see? That's all we have time for tonight, but you can order the full-length version of this presentation on CD audio or premium download by going to findingtruthmatters.org and selecting Jeremiah Part 189 from our online store. As we've heard tonight, God knows how to speak to you. Jeremiah clearly heard from God and demonstrated the fruit to prove it. Oh God, give us ears to hear. More from Dr. Corbett next week. Dr. Corbett is pastor of Lagana Christian Church and president of ICI Theological College Australia. We look forward to joining you again at the same time next week for another Finding Truth Matters.